Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, there we go. Hey, good morning. And, and I want to just say, good to see each one of you. I'm glad you're here. And uh, I'm especially grateful for those of you who, uh, you, it's been a while, but then you're back. And I see you today. And I just want to say, I see you. And I'm glad you came back. And others of you who are new, I just want to say, I'm glad to welcome you. And yeah, Grow Track starting today. And, and this is something that from here on out will be just a great way um, as as people come to be a part of this fellowship to actually get connected. Because all of us know, right, a, a room with a, a few hundred people, it, it's hard to actually feel a deep sense of connection here. And so we have to be willing to give ourselves the time and energy to say, well, then let me find some people to stick with. And by the way, if you go to a group and you only go once or twice and then you leave, you're going to still feel disconnected. And so stick with it, you know, the groups are starting this week, stick with it. And I think that if you would, there's a likelihood that after a couple of months, you might be finding yourself going, man, I thank God for these people. They've become truly brothers and sisters to me. So praying that that will happen for each one. And uh, I'm starting a new series today called Faith Moves. Everyone say Faith Moves. Faith Moves. And what we'll do in this series is we're going to jump into the book of Hebrews to Hebrews chapter 11. And so uh, I'm going to ask you to bring your Bible. And for these, uh, these six weeks, we're going to spend uh, time in one chapter of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. So you can go ahead and open your Bible to Hebrews 11 and make your way there. And in this series, what I'm going to do is we're going to make our way segment by segment through this one chapter of the Bible. And here's why. When you get to Hebrews 11, what you, what you find are a whole lot of individuals who are called out by name and mentioned. And a lot of people refer to this as the, the hall of faith. And it, there are 16 individuals called out by name and many more that are referred to by the groups that they're a part of. And in every instance, they are called out and recognized for their ability to use the currency of the kingdom of God well. The currency of the kingdom of God is faith. And what you find is that in this one chapter of the Bible, individuals are called out one and again for using that well. And I want us to go there today. We're going to go to the first seven verses. And today I'm going to teach from Hebrews 11, 1 through 7, on the power of priority. Priorities matter. And I want us to be able to get on the same page from God's word about the priorities that come to us from scripture. So uh, this week I was uh, on, on Facebook and I saw a post that caught my eye. And the post was on Temecula Talk and someone was, uh, was posting that something was available. And what they wrote was, um, my brother has two tickets for the 2023 Super Bowl, both box seats. He paid 8,500 bucks for each ticket, but he didn't realize when he bought them, it was gonna be on the same day as his wedding. So if you're interested, he's looking for someone to take his place. Whoa. I, I mean, I saw that and I, I, I thought, well, first of all, uh, that's, that's, a, that's an example of a guy with the right priorities. As, as hard as that was, right priorities, right? Like, that's tough. I mean, I mean, dumb mistake. Must have been an Eagles fan. I don't know. I mean, just, uh, no, I'm sorry, no. No, that definitely sounded more like a, a Kansas kind of an error. But I'm an equal opportunity offender, okay? So 
And anyway, it, it, it struck me as like, okay, that's somebody with, with right priorities. As hard as that would be to, to have to <laughs> do, do that. But, but then I noticed a comment, like the one comment that was uh, available to see at the top of the list. And it said something like, uh, the comments on this thread show the people who don't bother to read the whole post. And I went, wait, what did I miss? And so I went back up and I, and I read, yeah, it said, uh, yes, he's looking for someone to take his place. If you're interested, it's taking place at the Lorimar Winery at 3990 Anza Road in Temecula at 3 p.m. Her name is Amanda. She's a nice gal, about 5'2", and she'll be the one in the white dress. What happened to the right priorities, you know? Yes, and I know, for some of you, that's an old joke, but it was new for me, okay? So anyway, we're, we're gonna dive into the scriptures in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, so make sure you turn there right now. Sorry. There we go. Right? No? No. Okay. No. Yes. <laughs> Hebrews 11, 1 through 7. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, by faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world that became and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. You read through these first seven, seven uh, verses of Hebrews 11, and the word faith is used nine times, and so you can tell already what the thread is that's being drawn through this entire section. It doesn't take a lot of rocket science to figure it out. We're talking about faith. We're talking about faith. And this, this word is important. We're going to dive into it. You need to understand it, but it's a word that, that we use lots of different ways. Sometimes we use the word faith, and uh, we, we might say something like, oh, uh, she's a faithful wife meaning uh, she doesn't cheat on her husband or something like that. Someone else might say, hey, what's your, what's your faith? Or what's your faith background? And, and the answer will be, well, I'm a Catholic or I'm a Buddhist or I'm a Christian or something. And, and we use it in that sense to talk about a, a category of a system of belief or something. Someone else might say something like, well, you know, you got to faith it till you make it. And that person didn't have a lisp. He was a preacher. He was trying to be cute and clever with his words. Might have been me 10 years ago on this platform. <laughs> but we, we use this word faith a lot of different ways, and that's okay. But when we come to the scriptures, we really need to understand what, what the word of God says about faith and what it means. The word faith is used in the New Testament 250 times, 
maybe a little more depending on what translation you grab. The word love, by comparison, is used 175 times. And it's not that quantity reveals importance, but it is an indicator. And, and so we have to take to heart what it means. And not, not the Webster's definition of the word, but a biblical understanding of the word. And so when you come to the, the biblical understanding, you reach for something called a lexicon. That's a little bit different than a dictionary. It's a kind of a reference book that's going to going to give you a definition based on what the Bible's use of a word actually is. It's just an important distinction. And that when we come to the scriptures, we need to kind of develop a discipline of not necessarily settling for the first thing that we find, but digging a little deeper. You dig a little deeper and you find in a biblical understanding, faith is having conviction or belief about the truth. That, that's the blanket starting point, Bible understanding of faith. But you, you go a little deeper, and from all the ways the word is used in the Bible, by the way, the word in the original Greek language is the word pistis. That's the word we're talking about. If you want to get your Greek on and say it, you can. Pistis. Yeah, there are like three of you that wanted to go along with that. You're like, wait, it sounds like a bad word. Yeah, I know. It's pistis. It, and it's the Greek word for faith, which is what we're talking about. And when you come to the scriptures to understand what this word means, it, it is more specifically this, having trust, conviction, and belief in God, that he exists, that God is creator and ruler of everything, and that God has the character of one who can be depended on, and that God is the provider of eternal salvation through Christ. That is the very specific understanding of faith. This is important, because we're going to be talking for five, six weeks about faith, but I don't want you to think that we're just talking about some sort of mystical force of making something happen by some positive energy. Like, that's not it. Do you hear it? That we're talking about being people who have a, a, a resonance inside that is focused on the person and character of our Heavenly Father. And our trust is in Him to deliver and to come through. This is a biblical faith. But we go back to Hebrews chapter 11, and the first couple of verses gave us some color and, and some definition and some description of this word faith. When it says in, in verse 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. The ancients. The rest of the book of, of Hebrews 11 is going to talk about the ancients and call them by name. And it's, it's the ones in, 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 the, in, the, in this part of the Bible. And how they lived their lives a certain way, and they, it says they were commended for how they lived with faith, commended, because something about the way they lived brought pleasure to the heart of God, so much so that, that God could see what is invisible to the human eye. Inside of a person's heart, there's either this orientation towards, God, I want to I wanna live for you, and my trust is in you. Who else can see that? Nobody, but God sees it and commends it. That is, he affirms it. He loves it. It pleases him. And so the ancients were commended for it. One more time. Faith is, in verse 1, now faith is, why don't you say verse 1 out loud with me? Say it. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. When we think about faith, we got to understand that it is, it is the core possibility through which your spirit 
will have connection with the Spirit of God that, that moves the heart of God and that sometimes in ways that go beyond your, your request moves the hand of God and also allows your own heart to be moved by the power of God. And so faith is something that you and I, we need to value and lay hold of, cultivate, understand, and make space for in our lives. And ultimately with the understanding that it's about pleasing God. The ancients were commended for it. They, they were affirmed for it because their way of living this way pleased God. Whenever you, as a human being, move in a direction that requires you to recognize this is beyond me and for, for, for anything good to happen here, I, I need God, it pleases him. And so my resolve is this, is that my faith-fueled priority is pleasing God. Or to put it this way, pleasing God is my faith-fueled priority. And that's the main idea of this message. Pleasing God is my faith-fueled priority. Pleasing God. Someone say, pleasing God. Because I want you to start on this series with me, understanding that this is the pinnacle that we're reaching for. That our heart's cry is not to get what we want and make things happen our way, but our heart's desire and greatest hope is to please God. And to, and to choose things that will ultimately lead to God being pleased. And it's not about will other people be pleased, and it will be about will God be pleased with what we do. This is my declaration. This is my resolution. And again, Hebrews 11, 1, one more time. It just says, say it with me again. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What we do not see. By definition, faith requires that we have experiences one after another in moments where we're not getting what we want, where we're not seeing what we wanted to see. Faith, by definition, calls for and requires that we would be in the moments where it isn't now what we long for. That is the place where faith is born. When you're in the middle of trouble, when you're in the middle of trial and challenge and difficulty and pain and it's not good, that is the birthplace of faith. When you're facing a mountain that, that seems just impossible and, and you're dealing with a circumstance and a situation that's just ridiculously hard, that is fertile ground for faith to be born and exercised and chosen and acted on. That moment, that moment is a moment where you can be watchful. When things get really difficult and challenging and hard, I want you to be very aware Ah, this is my chance. Somebody say, this is my chance. <laughs> this is my chance to please God. Right now, while it isn't going the way I want, right now, while it's not yet as I hope, this is my chance. Because once everything's perfect and all going your way and doing exactly what you wanted to, what faith does that require? None. And we already know that what we read is that faith is what pleases God. 
And so when I'm in the moment where it's hard, it's challenging, it's difficult, there's opposition, this is my chance. This is my chance. This is my chance to please my God and live into that, that, that thing called faith. So th what happens next is in just these few verses, we get three examples of a, a life marked by faith. And we get Abel uh, of Cain and Abel. And then we get uh, Enoch. And then we get Noah, these three examples. And so the first the first example is Abel, of Cain and Abel. So backdrop, Adam and Eve have kids, and these are some of the kids. And so Cain and Abel have a moment. And you can go read Genesis 4 uh, tonight if you want to get into the, into the weeds of it. But in summary, Abel and Cain had an opportunity to bring an offering to God. To give something, offering. And Abel it says, brought the firstborn of his flock, the firstborn of his flock, and offered its life, and then even the first fattiest portions. <laughs> My mind goes right to Texas fatty brisket when I <laughs> picture that. I'm going to Calhoun's tomorrow. <laughs> but Abel brought this firstborn of his flock, and then it says, Cain did something too. It said, Cain brought some grain. And even in the way the words are, are used in the scriptures, you can kind of tell, oh, they're, uh, they're both kind of doing something here. But, but one, it seems, to, it seems to mean more or call for more or require more. And yes, Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. And in Hebrews 11, what we find is God saying, yep, and it meant more because he had a faith that was backing it up. Because imagine Abel in this moment. He's got a small little flock of sheep and the first, very best, healthiest, strongest, best, most beautiful one. He takes that and he offers its life to God. That took some serious adoration, some serious love, some serious, this costs me. <laughs> you know, this is the firstborn of the flock. And, and it, it was backed up by his faith. God, I'm giving you the first and the best, and I believe you're going to bless the rest. Cain, on the other hand, brought some grain. And what we understand from the writing in Hebrews 11 is that whatever Cain did, it did not seem to contain faith that God could even remark on. It, it's a bit like this. Think about it like this. Imagine uh, ziplining. Right? And then and you're going to go ziplining. You're going to put this harness around your thighs and around your back. And you're going to click big old carabiner here. And, and it's going to attach to a line. And you're going to go, whoo, through, through the woods 20, 30 feet above the ground. And, and, and you had a harness on that you clicked into. And, and you did that. Now imagine you're going skydiving. Oh, you're going to put a harness on around your thighs, around your back, click a big old carabiner in the front, and, and, and click to something. But what happens next is you're falling through the sky at 100 miles an hour, free falling, hoping, and, and then you pull that thing, and then the, the harness is, is used. But it took a lot different something out of deep within you, didn't it? Right? There's a reason why half this room has gone ziplining and maybe, what, 5% have gone skydiving. 
There's something about this moment with Cain and Abel that's a bit like that. That Abel brought something that cost him something that, that he had to bring his faith to back it up with. And, and God is clear in this word that it meant something to him. And, and then in Hebrews 4.11, you could go there with me. It said, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And say the last part with me. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. Say that last part again. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. What is he saying? What is he saying? If Abel was saying something and God's word said Abel still speaks, and I think he does, and I think Abel's getting up in my face and yours and saying, would you, would you please reorient your life in such a way as to make pleasing God the priority? Would you make some changes in the way you're doing your living so that pleasing God comes first rather than pleasing yourself? Abel's still speaking and he's saying to somebody, it's the spirit of God really we're talking about, saying, would you choose some pathways that would lead to God being pleased rather than pleasing the people around you? Would you learn to value pleasing God as the priority of your life? And it's like as though Abel would be saying, would you join me with this resolve to say, pleasing God is my faith-fueled priority. Somebody say amen. This is, this is not, it's not that it's, able as though we're paying attention to the voice of dead people. It's not that. It's the Spirit of God coming through. And I do think that maybe there's a faith move that one of us or two of us need to make to, to, to step into the reality of what Abel even demonstrated. And maybe it's your turn. It's your time to do just that. Hebrews 11, uh, we, we continue and we get in, in the next section to verse 5 to Enoch. So Hebrews 11.5, it says, Now by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who, say it, who pleased God. Enoch, he was commended as one who did what? Who, who pleased God. He was commended. Like God affirmed that and said, I, I love that about this man. You know, consider Enoch for a moment. And maybe you're not familiar with the story, but Enoch grew up with a very angry and bitter father. His father was Cain. And Cain, from the scriptures, you can determine, was an angry man. And maybe for some of us, we just need to recognize Enoch came up good. He came up so good that God loved him so much that he delivered him and spared him from even experiencing natural death. He's the only person in the Bible that's true about. And you know what that tells me? That if any of us grew up with an angry dad, we can come up good. We can come up good with a heavenly father who brings a reorientation to our understanding of even what family and fatherhood is all about. But Enoch was spared death. Why? Because he lived his life in such a way that he, he did what? He pleased God. That, that was his number one aim, pleasing God. I think some of us need to accept the challenge. What has been your priority? And is it in line with what moves the heart of God, which is pleasing him? Is there a need to, to shift some things, to say, this is what matters most, pleasing God? And when I find myself looking into the life of Enoch, I turn back to Genesis 5, and it says about Enoch, Enoch, in Genesis 5, 24, walked, actually say it with me, go, Enoch walked faithfully with God. 
And then he was no more because God took him away. Keep it on the screen. Enoch did what? Enoch walked faithfully with God. The essence of his life which pleased God was that he walked with God. He walked with God. He walked with God faithfully. And I believe God is is, is inviting some of us to begin to change our lives and to say, this is not about you know, being a good religious person and showing up at church once in a while. But instead, I'm, I'm a human being who's learning to walk with God faithfully. I, I want that to be true of each one of us, that we would say, this is what I'm here for, to learn to walk faithfully with God, to walk with God faithfully through, through everything, to walk with God into and through the season of great accomplishments and achievements, but holding on to God through them all, knowing that it was his favor and his hand which empowered you to get there. To walk with God faithfully, you know, even into and through the mud bogs of uncertainty and trial and difficulty, but to keep pulling one step after another through the through the mud, knowing that, that God's got hold of you and he's not going to let you get swamped into this thing. It, it's to walk with God faithfully through the, through the thorn bushes of disappointment that sometimes life's pathways bring us into, where disappointment and loss and grief are cutting deep into us. And, and yet we're, we're not giving up on God because we recognize he has the character of one who can be trusted even though right now this just feels like a mess and pain. And, and we, we hold on and we don't give in to deconstruction, but instead we elevate our trust and our conviction about who he is and what he's able to do. And we keep taking those steps, walking with God, knowing he's not, he's not left you. Even though it's gotten terrible and difficult and disappointing, he's there. And you walk faithfully with him. And something about that choice brings deep pleasure to the heart of God because it requires faith. It, it is to, to walk with God faithfully into the dazzling brightness of blessings and favor poured out on you when things just start going so well and it's so great, but you don't let it cause you to lose sight of how beautiful your God is and his faithfulness to you. This, this, this is what we're after. This is what we're after, to be those like Enoch, who would be commended because we pleased God, not by becoming more religious, but by walking with him faithfully, full of faith, in and through it all. Somebody say, it all. <laughs> and doesn't that cover so much? But this is what you and I are, are made to be, to be those who would say, yes, pleasing God is my faith-fueled Priority And Hebrews 11.6 says, and without faith, it is what? It's impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is what I want to be true about me, and I declare prophetically that it is, that I've got a, I've got a candle flame burning inside of me. 
And it, and it is a flame that burns for trust in who my God is and his faithful character. It's a fire that grows inside of me that believes in his goodness even when I'm dealing with badness. It's a, a fire that grows inside of me and still burns in, in a trust in his capacity to deliver even when I feel like I'm in a moment of defeat. Like this is what it's about. It's about nurturing that fire. It's about building that fire. It's about fueling that fire. And it's about determining this is the kind of man I'm going to be, the kind of woman you're going to be. A woman of God, a man of God who will allow that fire to grow and not be put out by whatever extinguishing factors this world would try to throw at me. I want to please my God. I want to live with a pleasing God priority above all else. And there's one more example, and it's Noah. Verse 7, it says, by faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Noah. Noah, the ancients, commended for. I want you to think about Noah for a minute. Maybe you haven't thought about him in a while. But when Noah was on the earth, he's 10 generations removed from Adam and Eve, and there had not been destruction and in some ways of evaluating the scriptures, there may not have even been rain. This is a bit speculative from silence, but there's a case that could be made for this moment where Noah has God telling him, I'm going to do something. And Noah's first thought is, I don't even know what you're talking about. Rain and flood? And yet God speaks to Noah and says, yeah, I've had it with the human race and their insanity and self-absorption and pride and arrogance and hatred of one another, and I'm done. I'm done. This was where God, the point that God came to. It's heartbreaking, but he said, Noah, this is my plan. I'm, I'm resetting the whole entire world, and I'm only sparing your family. And here's what I want you to do. Build, build an ark ark it, it, it is a nice way of putting what God told him to build. It was a gigantic, gigantic barge. And from the description that is in the scriptures, you, you don't actually find something like a pointed end on this thing. We, we make it that way in our children's books, but from the description in the Bible, it's a massive box, <laughs> an ark, a barge, and, and it's 450 feet long. Hold, hold up. You, you might need to be aware of something. That the, there was a moment in the 1800s when a ship was built called the Himalaya, and it was 240 feet. And when that ship got built, the whole world celebrated. This is the biggest boat that's ever been built. Do, do you recognize that? That's actual history. And what God told Noah to build was 450 feet. Okay, so... Another fact you should consider is God told him, yeah, all the animals, two of every kind. Noah's going, what? How in the world is that going to happen? And God says, they're going to just come. <laughs> and then, do you realize this? There were 120 years from the time God spoke to Noah about the flood 
and when it actually happened. That's a long time to start going, hmm, um, I don't know. God, are you sure? Did you really mean, do you get it? Do you realize how, how much faith Noah had to walk in to do this thing? And we want to settle for nice, tidy religiosity. But what moves the heart of God is actually faith moves. There's a willingness to say, I know it doesn't even make sense on paper. I know it's so hard and difficult. And, and I know it's probably not very pleasing to some other people in my life. But God is speaking to me. And so I'm moving in this direction. And I'm going for it. And it's going to be for the glory of God. Because my resolve wasn't to please you. It was to please God. Pleasing God is my faith-fueled priority. Faith-fueled. I could have just said, pleasing God, priority. But I want you to recognize something. It's faith-fueled. Because I want to give recognition to this fact. That pleasing God happens in the tension. The tension between, well, this is what I want. And this is what God is calling for. The tension between, this is all in shambles, but I believe he's a restorer. Yeah. <laughs> the, the tension between, it, it, it's impossible. This is impossible. And my God, who can do all things. <laughs> and so pleasing God happens in the tension. And in these moments of tension, you get a chance to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Because I want to please you. And I want you, God, to get what you want in and through my life. I prayed that we would be those kind of people. And guess what? We get some chances to do that, don't we? Actually, plenty of them. Moments where we get to say, well, here's what I want, but God wants something different. My priority is pleasing him. So here we go. Like, for example, I'll just let it get personal for a second. I'll tell you what I wanted. What I wanted was uh, for Brenda Palmer to be with us for a decade, 10, 10 more years. That's what I wanted. God wanted something different. And if you read my emails, then you won't be taken by surprise what I'm saying right now. <laughs> you should read them. You should open them. Think, what is it, like 27% actually click and open? <laughs> it would be great if you'd listen. I really share some important stuff there. <laughs> but... I, I wanted for Brenda to stay with us for another 10 years, but God began speaking to her about, about making some faith moves. Let me tell you something else, by the way. Our team gets together to plan our preaching for the next year. And last year, we all got together to plan our preaching, and Brenda said, I have this great idea for, for February for next year. This was back in, like, you know, May. She said, I think we should do a series on Hebrews 11. Call it Faith Moves. I think it'll be great. I'm like, oh, yeah, and you're gonna, it's going to be great. You might even have to just preach half of it, you know. And then we start the series, and it's the same weekend that I have to say, Brenda's leaving us. And, and I want you to know, though, that it's good because our priority is pleasing God. And here's what happens in her life. You know, the last year, she, she starts you know, preaching here and there, and all of a sudden she's getting calls all around the country. Can you come to this camp? Can you come to this conference? Can you come to this retreat? And I'm so happy to see that happening for her. But she reaches this point of going, I can't do both. And God 
is, is, is calling me to do this other thing. And oh, by the way, it's uncomfortable and awkward. And she's heading into the unknown, you know? We, we got a kind of a good thing here and she could just be comfortable and just, you know, enjoy. But God's going, step out, come on, let's go. And so we have the opportunity to say amen to what God is doing. Can, can we do this, Brenda? Can you come up here for a moment? And, come on over here. Come on over here. Okay. So, yeah. We love you. We honor you. We thank God for you. We believe in his calling on your life. And we are grateful that we've had the privilege of receiving from you for a couple years here. And we regard you as a sister that we love and can't wait to to celebrate when you come back. But by faith, we release you. I'll tell you something else. We had planned that on February 5th, we were going to do a commissioning, a consecrating of, of, of Brenda as, a, as one of our pastors. But instead, the moment's a little different. Instead, we're releasing her and commissioning her into her new stage of ministry. And so let's do that together. You can kind of reach out a hand symbolically like you're joining me to say we commission you. And Brenda Palmer, we commission you in Jesus' name to go out there and do it all. Yes. Preach all the conferences, but do it with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Go out and, and walk the streets and lead people to Jesus. Go create more conferences of your own, like come alive and see people get uh, callings into ministry for the rest of their lives too. Go start fires for the kingdom of God all around this country and be the culture shaker that you've been called to be. We bless you, Brenda. We bless you in Jesus' name to go with blessing from this house, with blessing, covering, and favor from this house because we believe in you. You are God's mighty woman and we believe in his great things that he's doing through you and we all say amen and celebrate, Brenda. Mm. Yeah. You can stay standing. While we wrap up, the, the reality is that the greatest faith move you could make would be the one described in, in Romans chapter 3, 22, where it says the righteous, righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who, I'm going to say it again, righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who, Believe, keep this on the screen. The greatest faith move you could make is the move to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. To move to the place where you say, I release, I release the, the burden of trying to think that I'm going to make myself right with God. Instead, I believe in Jesus. When you picture the crucifix where he's offering his life, he's doing it, paying a price so that you could actually get something. The gift of salvation, freedom and forgiveness for all the sin in your life and the hope of heaven and the power of God here and now. And that gift is something that you get to receive. This gift, it's given through what? Given through what? Through faith. Through that disposition of your own heart. Godward. God, you're one who has the character of one who can be trusted. My confidence is in you. 
that faith move changes everything. Okay, we're all standing together. How many of you, by show of hands, would say, I have received the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus. Just, I mean, gladly lift your hand for a moment and keep it up for a moment. We, we always want to affirm this central fact that we have salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. And everything else we talk about in this series about faith moves and what we might do, it's secondary. This is primary. I believe in Jesus Christ and he forgives my sins and saves me. This this is all my confidence right here. <laughs> I'm washed. Every day my, my sin is washed off of me. The guilt is off of me. And the hope of heaven is out in front of me. And the power of God right now is here within me. I, I have my hand high. I, could, I could wish I could stretch it higher because I'm so grateful for that. To live like that. Don't you feel glad that you get to live like that? Like I have salvation. I, I never have to doubt it. Because I never stopped believing. I might have not done a good job behaving very well. But that didn't change my belief in Jesus, my Savior. So hold on to this. Hey, you can put your hand down. Thank you, God. Now, Lord, I pray that you do a, a spiritual awakening for somebody in this moment. Right now, God. Uh, while we're praying together, if you're here and you've never really made sense of this whole Jesus thing, I want you to hear this loud and clear. You too you can be forgiven. All your sin can be forgiven. You can receive his gift of salvation. And he's not waiting for you to complete a bunch of religious tasks. All he's waiting for you is for you to open your heart and say, Jesus, I, got, I still have a bunch of questions. I, I, I wish I could you know, figure a bunch of things out, but I figured this out. I need to be forgiven. Would you forgive my sin and save me? And he will do it. So while we're praying together, if you're standing here saying, I, I want that, I want to ask Jesus to forgive me, to save me. If you're earnest about it, you want Jesus to forgive you and save you, and you want to receive his gift of salvation, right now I want you to raise your hand. Just be bold about it. This moment changes everything. You raise your hand with me and keep it up really high. Just raise it and make it known. If you're online, you type it into the comments and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. And keep your hand up raised high because our ministry team is going to come bring you a Bible. And then I want you to pray with me and say, Jesus, would you forgive my sin and save my life? I believe in you. And I'm asking for your gift of salvation and I receive it now. I turn from my sin. I turn to you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. And I give my whole life to you, Jesus. You gave your whole life for me. Now I'm yours. Thank you for the gift of new life. I receive it now. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hand down if that was you, and our ministry team is going to come bring a Bible your way in a moment. I also pray, God, that you would allow faith to just begin to rise throughout all of us. Father, I pray that you would allow some of us to have a, a new conviction inside about who you are, how faithful and good you are that would motivate us to take some steps. God, I pray right now for, you know, for somebody in particular, here's this spiritual picture or vision that I, I see in the spirit. It's like you, you, you have a, a big old bulldozer kind of coming your way and you're stuck and it's just gonna mow you down is what it feels like in your life right now. 
and, and spiritually what I see is God just reaching into your life and just literally plucking you up and pulling you out and moving you into a whole other spot. This is a spiritual kind of a, a vision moment. I'm just offering it to somebody. Might not be for a lot of you, but it's for somebody. And if that resonates with you, you can say, God, I believe you're speaking to me through that. That's, it's even your kind of language. You might have even said something like that to somebody. And here in this moment, it's like God is saying, I see you and I got your number and you can trust me. You're not gonna get mowed down by that thing. Just take a deep breath and say, then God, I believe you. You're gonna lift me and move me out of, the, out of the way of this thing. Father, I pray that also you would uh, allow for many of us to have a, a, an ability to dream again. I pray that God, you would allow each one of us to have some new aspirations, even things that long ago we had thought about but we gave up on. God, I pray that you give some of us right now a willingness to have aspirations about the good things that could be possible in our future and that from those aspirations we might even say, and I'll take a step towards, towards them. God, I pray that you do that for some of us and that the result would be that we'd make some faith moves as people who would live to please you. So Father, thank you. And I pray, God, that uh, for each one of us, whatever need we've come with, Lord, that by your spirit, uh, you would meet it. We praise you, God. We praise you and honor 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 you, God. There's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Hey, Jonathan, would you sing that out for us and lead us? Oh, there's nothing. 